0: Hey, Randy. I started my new job at BBC Maestro a few weeks ago and I have a very detailed personal onboarding strategy and daily goals. I call it the 2160-hour plan. Want me to share it with you?
1: Um, you know I love nerding out about product with you, Lily, but I think you might be over-engineering this one a bit. I mean, I've only got so many hours. Oh, what?
0: I spent at least one hour writing this on one page.
1: Yeah, that was a bit of a silly <laughs> reference to our episode with Matt LeMay, but I think what you really need is a chat with today's guest.
0: Okay. Yeah, so true. Randy and I had the pleasure of talking to Lea Taran, head of product at Jua, and she gave some great advice about starting a new role and how to gain the trust of your team. So let's get to the chat. Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover more.
1: Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium content, discounts to our conferences around the world, and training opportunities. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you.
0: Leah, welcome to the product experience podcast. It's so lovely to be talking to you today. Thank you for having me. Um, so before we get stuck into our topic this evening, um, which Mm -hmm. I'm super excited to talk to you about because I'm right in the middle of starting a new job. Um, it'd be great to hear a little bit about you, your background and what you are up to these days.
2: I always struggle a little bit with summarizing myself because like condensing a life into a couple of sentences seems to be tricky. But here's my take. So I've been in the industry for 22 years, one year as an API developer, pretty bad one, then UX researcher for 10 years, try to understand why people are doing what they're doing. I was always fascinated by human psychology. And yeah, like what basically drives people to do what they do. And then at some point, I got frustrated because I didn't I couldn't be part of the solution. And then I got into product management, product leadership for the last about, I would say, 12 years. The entire thing, you know, like consulting, advising, VCs, whatever, what what have you. And on the way, I crashed two companies. <laughs> I was mildly <laughs> successful with two, of, with two other ones. And um, yeah, but I definitely found my passion. And I guess the only thing that's now important for me is that I love talking about all of this and I'm very open about it. And I guess that's 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 what I do. And in terms of job descriptions right now, I'm the head of product at Jua, which is um, a weather and climate-based startup in Zurich, in Switzerland. And we're trying to revolutionize the, the weather market with better forecasts than anyone else.
0: Yeah. Wow, that sounds amazing. And I, being an English person, where the weather is notoriously unpredictable and it can rain and snow and be like boiling hot sun in the same day um i'm definitely looking forward to you solving that problem (laughs) um (laughs) well we're not
2: changing the weather we're predicting it but you know like i mean we can (laughs) we can try you never know what's going to happen in the future
0: uh i guess predicting it is the first step (laughs) yeah let's go with that So you've obviously worked in a a few different businesses um, and so you've done that process of starting a new job a few times Mm -hmm. and the hot topic way of starting a new job in product these days seems to be to have a 30, 60, 90 day plan. And maybe it's not just in product, maybe it's in lots of other jobs as well, but um, it would be great to get your view on this 30, 60, 90 day plan. Because I think you have a slightly maybe controversial or maybe not controversial take on uh, whether they're useful or not.
2: Yeah, I guess that goes for everything that is in this industry. Uh, um, um, You know, uh, everything that's popular, I probably have a contrarian opinion about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the NPS or 30, 60, 90 day plans. I guess the principle here is that I've been as well, and I have I have a data point to prove what I'm going to say in a second. Um, I've been in my new job for 40 days now, and it's absolutely not what you would have expected like every job that I've ever been in. Um, I guess the only thing that you can actually plan about a job is that you cannot really plan it. But there's a couple of things that you should always try to achieve. And I think it's quite important to understand that wherever we go, we... We lose context, right? Like we take ourselves with us, of course, right? So like I used to be the product lead. It's small PDF and everybody liked me. I was confident in my job and I, you know, like I was kind of respected. But if you get into a new company, it kind of, the clock resets. It's, It's just because you have a specific title doesn't mean anything. You need to really rework the trust that you have with people. And I I think a very good thought exercise of this is also telling you why a 30, 60, 90 days plan is a bit problematic is that let's say you are in your job for an entire year and you've built relationships and, you know, you clone me now, like just the way that I am with all my skills and I go away and you put the other person that looks different into this place. It's not going to work because the thing that you're taking away is the relationships And I think it's incredibly important to focus on this in your job. Um, So the very first thing that I do in the first 30 days, if you want to call it that, is just to get to know people, Um, really understand who is in the company, why they're in the company. Don't assume that, you know, you know better. Uh, Be curious about people, especially the difficult conversations where you feel like, oh, my God, this is not going good. You know, like the very first time, if you're ahead of anything, you're going to probably talk to everybody at some point. And um, yeah, I would say the first step is that don't plan anything that is requiring other people or, you know, like that somebody gives you the time or whatever. That's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, not even in corporate world. So I would say start with (laughs) trusting and, and, and building up trust with people. That's the most important thing. Try to help out where you can. Just try to get to know how. People's jobs work, right? This is also how we approach customers. We try to understand what their context is. And I guess in the end, the rest kind of follows. I <laughs> I, I, I always know that, look, <laughs> after two weeks latest, something is going to burn. Everybody told me, take your time, right? But here, 30 days later, I already did a reorganization. And you cannot make this <laughs> up. It's just that, you know, that's that's just how it is in this industry. You know?
1: so. We know that the the plan never survives contact with the enemy. You know, everything always changes. But it seems like they ha- are brought up more often than not when you're interviewing for leadership roles. The other people want to see what your plan is so that they have confidence in you. And it may be a work of fiction, but it's still something that they want. So what do you tell people in the interview? Do you tell them that there is no plan or or that the plan is – well, looser and will be adjusted? Or do you go in and play the game?
2: That's a really good question because it's different for me than it is for other people, I would say. I don't have to interview anymore because people already kind of know me. But when I advise people to, to pass or like, I don't know, like to prepare for interviews, right? Unfortunately, you have to have some answers on standard questions. And you can kind of bring them up. You kind of answer them and then you give your own take on it. And I think that's always been my approach as well. Um, I don't ask this kind of stuff in the recruiting that I do. So what I ask every time is that, what do people get wrong about you? What do I learn from you in this talk with me? You know, usually we have 30 minutes that I don't see in your CV. Who is the person behind the letters? And I think one of the problems in this industry that we have And I think I understand where it's coming from. It's like if you look at managers and leaders and the way that they try to manage people or try to figure out whether someone is good, we always resort to these simple methods of putting people into drawers. You know, job titles, gender, age. Did you have a big logo that had a big exit when you were there? I mean, it's lunacy, right? Like. If I was, uh, I don't know, like delivering hamburgers while Uber went on an IPO, I probably have a better chance than some other people to get on a podcast. Suddenly everybody's responsible for the success. But the thing is, I think people do this because they are just, they don't know how to evaluate another way. And I think a good example of this is, is that there is a lot of managers who evaluate their people on the amount of hours that they spend in the office. right? So for instance... I remember this very vividly in some sales organizations where I was, hey, I need to go to the doctor on Wednesday. And then the first question from the manager is, when are you going to compensate that? And the reason for this is, is that they don't know how to do it otherwise, right? They try to exert control over you. And I think evaluating someone, a person, someone with a character, you just have to trust that you will feel the person if you ask them personal questions. There's no checkbox that you can, oh, she was answering in a way that I liked. It's just not happening. That's like, I, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm biased as everyone else. I identify with specific people more than with others. And I've also had my negative stereotypes and everything. But I can tell you that I always give everybody the chance to surprise me. And the best way to do that is to relate to them. Just let them tell you, like, why did you get into product? What are you passionate about? What, what gets you going in the morning? What, what makes you stand up? And I know it sounds a bit lofty, but I can tell you I never had bad hires in that regard. Like if you really focus on the person, and that's what it is, right? This is why these frameworks where you just focus on processes, like first thirty days, get to know the product, first uh, second, or like or the, or the customer, and then and then the product, and then the processes. That's why it never works because we work ultimately with people and not machines.
0: So is it a case of these thirty, sixty, ninety day plans? They just—they're too prescriptive, basically, and ultimately, there's just a few things that you need to achieve in the first three months, and you'll do them in like varying different orders depending on the business that you're joining and the the state that it's in. And what are those things that you need to? So, so if you don't have that kind of that rigid structure of that plan, like what are the things that are really gonna? help you succeed in that role
2: so i think a good
0: frame to think about this
2: is that whenever you are in the role and it doesn't matter how long you've been in it right so like you also started a new job if you go to linkedin what are you writing on that particular section of the job that you're in so let's say i would be a taxi driver i would not describe in there that i'm driving around people right but product managers do this all the time they just describe what they do Oh, I managed a team of this and that. I was, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, facilitating stand-ups or I was leading five people. It's like, you're describing to me what I expect from you from the job. So Mm. what you should do when you start with a new job or you're in a job already, you should look at what is right now in my job description that I have on LinkedIn, just as an example, and then imagine is what I'm doing right now. If I succeed in it, What I'm gonna put in there, and then I write something else out because you should always put something that is more impactful than the other, right? Like you should always grow on top of things, and maybe also fail. I also put some of my failures into my CV even. But I think that's a very good frame of mind to think about it, because if we do not grow in front of others, then it's maybe time to go somewhere else. If you have the luxury, not everybody can just freely choose their jobs. I get it, right? But Put yourself always into new things, right? That's also how I got ahead in my career at some point. I, I sucked for a really long time in my career because I did not have this mindset. I was describing what I did instead of like, what was the impact that I had? And I guess that as a plan is a very good thing. If you go to my LinkedIn profile right now, you don't see a lot. You see just because I had no impact yet at Jua. I can I can describe what I had of product does, which is amazing, right? So the only thing that I listed there is that I did a reorganization because that's what I did. And you will see in three months whether that was successful or not, because I will also measure the happiness of the people, you know, like do they feel like that we aligned and so forth. So I think it's very important to be honest to yourself and learn as you go. Just I am dealing with a big imposter syndrome, you know, like every day. But it's the thing is, it, it, you can add more skills to the mix. It's never going to change. You're always going to be insecure about something because you're going to exchange this insecurity with another insecurity. If you stop comparing yourself to that person, you start to comparing yourself to that person. And in the end, what frameworks are good for is to get you started, but at some point you should understand what they're for so you can get rid of them. And that's how I approach it. I don't plan anything. I don't I didn't even plan this podcast because I know that you know, <laughs> usually I have good thoughts about it and I know how I work, like how I work, right? So like what works for me. And um yeah, it seems to come together always. And and if it if it doesn't, I'm going to be honest with myself and just say like, okay, you know, like this is not for me. Yeah. I'm not sure whether that answers your question, but I feel like we should not overindex or like overfit frameworks just for the sake of it. Um, mm-hmm. but I do recognize that people sometimes need more control. Some people, some guests need more structure. Some guests need less structure. I'm a big fan of just letting people be and then I just try mm-hmm. to adapt to them. That's my role as a servant leader, if you want to call it that.
1: Yeah, I, I want to try making sure uh, that I got that and can summarize it. So um, we've had the advice in the past that you should treat yourself as a product to a degree, you, from a, you, your career as a product. So mm-hmm. what you're saying is a lot. what a lot of people do is they list the outputs. They just list what they do. And it's, it's, it's the storytelling. It's the outcomes if we're applying product terminology to do no. it. Okay.
2: So, you know, it's an interesting thing. If you think about how many product leaders that you have out there, uh, people who write that they're product leaders on LinkedIn, (laughs) and it's not to take anything from them. It's very hard to find just a normal product manager these days. Everybody's a leader. Everybody's an expert in everything. Now, this this is a thing because marketing just got much, much better, right? We know how to market ourselves. Everybody knows how to market themselves. There's five tips on LinkedIn, how to do this, how to do that we're flooded with products and people and brands that are imitating the really good brands. And the only way out of this is to really get trust going with people because that's the only thing how we see through or like how we cut through the noise. If you think about it, almost everyone that I know knows where to get books. You know, like whether it's book depository or whatever, like your favorite books, it's not the problem. Yeah, Everybody can get books. The problem is, do you have this one particular friend that whenever they recommend you something, it seems to be just like, yes, this <laughs> is what I needed, right? This is exactly what I needed. I have two of these friends. I don't have more. I, I have two, right? They can do this. My entire bookshelf down there is is full of this kind of stuff. And the reason is, is that I trust them. You cannot trust the reviews anymore. You cannot trust recommendations anymore. And... That's the big problem, right? It's not hard anymore to get to information. The hardest thing is to get to trusted information. And this is the way that I treat myself as a product. I write a lot about product like growth. Everything that you see from me is completely free. And it's very, very honest as well. I'm not just saying like, I messed up. I'm going to go in front of people and tell them exactly how I messed up, how I felt about it, and what made me choose decisions that i made right because i want people to really understand that it is okay and it does not take away any of your value if you just are vulnerable and this creates trust right but only if i do it consistently so this is what i'm saying right like you can take my posts you can take the exact thing you copy it you put it in your profile it doesn't do the same thing it's because the brand is missing the context is missing people are constantly telling you oh Here's how I made 200,000 impressions with one post on LinkedIn. No, you didn't. You didn't. You just simply didn't. The reason where I am today is, is because I had 22 years in this industry and I failed 19 of them. That's how it is, right?
0: Yeah. So, and and that's really interesting with the, like, I'm interested to know how you kind of go about establishing that trust with teams now and like what you may have tried before which didn't work because it's so great to hear you know those stories of like things that you know yeah. where we failed because of the, that's where a lot of the learning is as well
2: I think what's incredibly difficult and in taxing as a as a manager someone that has to manage other people and as a product leader you also have to be a leader to other people that are not under you so you know like engineers the engineering organization sales like I have to connect everybody right The difficult thing of this is is that for me, and our company right now is a very small one, like we're about 20 people. For me, all of these people are like 5% of the context, right? 5% here, 5% there, 5% there, 5% there. For them, I'm a huge part of the context. So the relationship is already asymmetrical by definition. But if you've never been a leader, if you've never been a manager, it's very hard to feel this, right? So like to understand that, that, Leah only sees me twice a week, you know, like in a one-on-one, and then I talk to you. But they see me maybe 10, 20 times because I'm present in all the stand-ups, I'm present in all the plannings, I'm present in all the all-hands. Whenever I do give a big speech, you know, on LinkedIn or whatever, they see me all the time, and I don't have the same context. It's almost like um, it's like a friendship where one of the friends is just not paying a lot of attention. And that makes it incredibly difficult because I kind of... Because people have demands to me, right? And I also have impossible standards towards myself. So the only way that you can actually do something about this is to be very, very, very conscious about every single soul that you have in these teams. And the way that I do this is that I'm not perfect at it. not going to lie. But I make sure that in every one-on-one I ask, what can I do to be a better partner to you? And I'm not going to let you go until you tell me something. Right I'm just gonna I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask because I want I want you to criticize me so you see that this is okay. And this is time consuming. It is really time consuming, and I also try to make sure that whenever I give feedback, whether it's negative or positive, I don't do this shit sandwich stuff, you know that people tell you like, "Oh, say a good thing, then a bad thing and then a uh, good thing again. I don't do that. I always feel like it's important that even if you give good feedback. Say it in a way that it could not apply to someone that is standing next to you, you know, like, oh, you look pretty, okay, cool, nice, yeah, right we love we love hearing this as women, like you know like the the faceless comments, but if you tell me like, hey, I really like how you combined I don't know your earrings with this and that, you know it's maybe you know it's a bit more targeted and if you if you if you change this kind of to your coworkers, then I can say, hey. I really loved your presentation. I especially love how you framed this particular problem around this that gave me an insight that I did not have before. You know what that does? This gives so much appreciation for... She actually listened. She listened, right? And that means a lot. And people do notice. And that's the kind of standard that I try to hold myself to whenever I can. Try to be as thoughtful as you can to people and try to listen.
0: listener, do you fancy leveling up your product management skills and are you ready to take that next step in your product career?
1: If you do, you're in luck. Mind the Product runs regular interactive remote product management training workshops where you can dedicate two half days to honing your skills with a small group of product peers.
0: You'll be coached through product challenges by an expert trainer and you'll walk away with frameworks and tools you can use right away.
1: I really like the idea of two individual half days. There's lots of time in between to decompress and process all of the day's light bulb moments. Clever.
0: The Mind the Product spring training courses are available right now, and you can choose from product management foundations, communication and alignment, metrics for product managers, and mapping to solve product problems.
1: You can find out more and book your place at mindtheproduct.com slash workshops. I'm guessing that when you're coming into a new company when you're establishing the relationships you've got the the team that you're managing whether you know whether you're a product manager or a leader you always have a team of people that you're you're working with yeah. uh you have your 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 peers and stakeholders that you need to deal with and then you have your customers. is there a difference in the way you work to establish trust with the the peers stakeholders and customers versus uh, the people you're you're leading.
2: So the trust with the customer we establish through the product. And the trust with the engineers and the people that are working in this is that I build an organization that really gives them autonomy over what they're doing. I strongly believe in this, right? So like I am not going to tell anyone what they do and what they should do. Um, what I do is I am part of the strategy direction. So like for instance, we say, okay, really like so for instance, a current okr that we have at the moment is that. We want to create more visibility for sales what's going on in engineering, and we want to create more visibility for engineering what's going on in sales in a way what I'm trying to say is that we have no idea what's going on with the customers in engineering and sales doesn't understand what the guys in engineering are doing so it's it's about connecting and you know like in the end trust is established if you listen and understand what someone's worry is and you do something about it um There's nothing more damaging than just like standing in front of people and say, yes, I hear you. I hear you, but I don't do anything about it. And that's why I'm saying like, it's kind of like a product-led growth thing where you say, look, I'm not talking about it. I'm just showing you. I think that's way more powerful than constantly saying things because we've been tired anyways from the marketing messages, right? Like, that's what I mean. It's like trust is earned very, very hard. Um, And you should not go in front of people and constantly talk about what you do. You should just do it and trust that they will see it. Because I'm I'm a firm believer of this. I'm a firm believer that people do see that you put a lot of effort into it. Don't go to people and say, oh, I'm working so hard all the time. Okay, cool. (laughs) What should anyone do with this? I mean, it's not, yeah.
0: And I I guess kind of on that point, is there any expectation that you have of new hires that come to work in your team when they initially start is what, what kind of guidance do you give to to people that are coming to work within your team um I guess before I
2: have any expectations I show them that I care I try I, I didn't do the my best job in the last two weeks but like we had a couple of new joiners and I try to make a point that I reserve a lot of time for them at the start just give an introduction, you know, a calm one, or just like, who are you? Just tell me a little bit about yourself. There's no strategy in here. Just like, do you want to know anything? You can ask me why there's a guitar back there and we can talk about it for half an hour. It's totally fine. And once that is kind of established, what I'm trying to say is that I love it when people are dependable. And I mean dependable in the sense of we all make mistakes in in our commitments, Right. The usual reflex with everybody with me is that they try to make me happy, right? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can make it. We can make it tomorrow. Yeah, we can make it. And then they cannot make it. And then I'm like, yeah, but you said you could make it. And then they said, yeah, well, you know, like something came in between and I couldn't do it. And I could do this and that. And then I'm just and usually then the conversation that I have is that, look, it was not so much important for me that you tell me that you can do it until tomorrow, but that I can depend on it. So next time, please either have a more defensive estimate of what you do. Or if you know that it doesn't work, tell me proactively. I I value nothing more than people just that spare me surprises. The worst thing that can happen is is if I walk into your room and you told me you cleaned it up and I'm like, why is there such a mess? It's like, that. those are the kind of things. And I think one little neat trick that I do, because I'm also seeing myself as an introvert, I'm a social introvert, like I like talking in really small groups, but I hate bigger groups, is... um, I have a readme that I'm posting in my Slack. So if you go to my own profile, you can see how to deal with me because I have a couple of things about me that are not so obvious. Everybody thinks I'm an extrovert. Everybody thinks I'm this and that. And these are this is taking a lot of anxiety from the quieter people because they know what's expected from them. And I can kind of tell them in a really nice way, like, hey, here's a manual to Leia," you know, and then they can do it with is what they want. And I had very, very good feedback from this. Um, so people seem to love it. Yeah. I,
0: I love that idea. That's a great suggestion. You should do it too. I will. <laughs> I'm going to do it tomorrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, I actually had lunch with a friend today who's uh, uh, about to start a new job and she had a thesis which is that no one hires leadership roles, uh, hires for a leadership role in a company if the company's going well. So every job you take when you're in senior leadership, you have to assume that the house is on fire, that things aren't going well, that there are problems to solve. So, and we've we've talked a lot about trust today, but trust is a two-way street. So you talked about how you establish trust, but what are you looking for from other people to show that they're uh, meeting you halfway, that they're trying to establish trust, that there might be things hidden, that, you know, just validating that you've taken the the job uh, that you expected.
2: So I would say, aside from what I said before, in terms of like, you have to be dependable and people have to kind of not surprise me because it's not hard, right? Like I don't have expectations in terms of like everybody needs to know everything. That's not what it is. Um, I think a very, very important thing that we often forget is is that a job title is not what a job title means, right? Every product manager that I've ever seen had a different job. (laughs) and they all have the same title. And it's the same for well what does a head of product what does a head of product do different than a vp product? What does a head of product do different than a cpo? Well it depends, right? It depends. It depends a lot. It depends actually on what other people expect from you as well and what way do you position yourself as a role? So what I'm doing is I'm paying a lot of attention to establishing also what my role is in the organization. And my role in the organization is aside from building an organization where everybody can be yada, 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 it is to protect specific people from other people. That's what I do, right? Like I'm like mommy that is keeping the two fighting children out of each other, right? Like the customers and, and the engineering and sales, they also want something. So I try to keep everybody at arm's length and try to translate for them. And that's the first thing. And then the second thing is I try not to make their successes mine and I think that's where a lot of leaders and managers make a big mistake. You have to step back. You just have to step back. And that kind of thing is the easiest way to destroy trust with people. In the sense that if I pretend that something was everything my idea and whenever it succeeds I'm going to take the, you know, I'm going to take the the Oscar and I'm going to have my speech in front of the company. Whenever it was not a success, it was the fault of the teams. I've seen this many, many times. That is the worst thing that you can do. So I guess it's a two-way street. And um, I think I also am quite open about how I'm being evaluated. I say to people a lot, like, look, your happiness is important to me, but it also pays my salary, right? If you're unhappy, I'm not going to be happy. So help me how to do this, right? It's, It's important that people understand what my role is in this regard. So I'm not sure whether I answered your question, but I guess it's like, if it's clear what someone's objective is, and mine mm-hmm. is always kind of tied to caring about others and trying to enable them, then it tends to work out most of the time. Not always, but most of the time.
1: I'll just follow up with, are there any warning signs when you, you come in in that, say, that first 90-day period into a role? That it may not be what you expected, something that you've learned, uh, you know, some radar that you've developed over, over your career to say, "Ooh, I need to start thinking about whether this is what I was expecting.
2: If I do not have impact anymore, if I feel like I'm losing what I consider to be important, that's the first one. The second one is I'm a learner. I'm a heavy, heavy, heavy learner. Like I love learning. Um, I'm not in this job for the money. For sure not. I have very clear goals. I am not someone that you need to manage in the sense of like, oh, yeah, let's talk about your growth plan. I have one, right? It's a big one. It's always over there. And I also know what I want to achieve and in which portion and how fast. And the question is really simple to my CEO always. Like, are we on track? Can you help me enable on this stuff? Because this is the main thing that you keep me happy with. It's not the salary. It's It's the growth plan. But... I'm very specific in this regard because I also knew that you have to take your career into your own hands. Um, I don't want to make this a gender thing, but I think I've seen a lot of women, myself included, who just never really took charge. And we always kind of assumed that someone will see how how much of a good job did we do. I just don't do that anymore. Um, it's very uncomfortable to put yourself in the front, right, and always say like, hey, look what I did, you know. But what really helps is, is if you clarify expectations before it actually happens. Because in a way, what you should do is you should always clarify, okay, what does it take for me in the next period to be favorably evaluated? Then you don't have any discussions. You don't need to assume that people have always a good opinion of you, right? And I think, um, I, think, I think that's the most constructive way that I can deal with it. And if that is not a given, so learnings, no more impact. Or if I don't like getting up in the morning, it sounds mm. stupid. You know, like this, I'm I'm telling you, my life is absolutely bananas. It's absolutely crazy. I get up at seven in the morning, and I go to bed at eleven, and there has not been a single minute of time for myself most of the time. And I love it, I love it. But every morning that I get up, it's like, um, you know, you open the phone, and you it's almost like an adventure, right? So like, what what is today happening? Oh, you know, there's a product <laughs> experience uh, podcast. There's something like this. I have so many people who are trying to interact with me all the time. There's good moments, there's bad moments, but there's always something going on and i I really, really enjoy this if it becomes stale and it becomes a routine, then I usually go and that's also how what it has been for 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 my last job that's when I left right. I left in good spirits, but my learning was just very, very you know I felt like I hit a wall well.
1: We're r- rapidly running out of time tonight, and we don't want you to hit the wall while, while talking to us. So <laughs> I'm okay. just gonna we're far say far away. That. It's fine. <laughs> we'll say thank you very much. This has been fantastic. We've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you
2: so much for having me.
0: Thanks, Leia. The product experience is the first. And the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith.
1: And me, Randy Silver.
0: Luron Pratt is our producer and Luke Smith is our editor.
1: Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band PAU. That's P-A-U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank. Regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide.
0: If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank.